chapter 9, verses 6 through 15. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for the food will also supply and increase your store of righteousness, your store of seed, and will enlarge your harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. The second reading is from Luke. Second Luke, chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. The word of the Lord. Good morning. I'm way stoked about being here again and seeing everybody. Um, I hope you had a nice Thanksgiving. I uh, got to see my family this week, this week, you know, on Thanksgiving. And my brother Gary, um, he's a heck of a guy, and I got to hang out with him. And he was telling me about, well, he's got this parrot. And uh, he got this parrot after he got a divorce, and uh, it was kind of a bad time for him, and he taught the parrot a lot of bad words. Um, really, that's all the parrot does is curse. And uh, so then my brother gets remarried, 
and he's got this new wife, and she hates the parrot because of its foul mouth, you know. And uh, so this last week, she was walking along, and the parrot started cursing, and she grabbed it out of the cage and stuck it in the freezer just to, just to cool it off a little bit, right? And she left it in there for like five or ten minutes and pulls it out, and she says, now, are you going to stop swearing? And the parrot says, yes, ma'am, I am, but uh, I want to know what that turkey said. Um, it's, the, it's the only Thanksgiving joke I have, so I apologize. Um, one of them, when he realized that he was healed, turned around, came back shouting his gratitude. In our gospel lesson from Luke, we find this story of this leper who returns to say thank you. Jesus and his company are traveling through the region between Samaria and Galilee. And the word Samaria brings up a whole bunch of red flags because observant Jews did not go anywhere near Samaria or Samaritans. Samaritans were this despised group. They were supposedly culturally inferior and liturgically and theologically heretics. And Jesus runs in, he's over by their their area, and he runs into these ten lepers. And it's hard for us to overestimate the pain and alienation of a person struggling with leprosy in this time. Lepers suffered not from this, not just from physical discomfort of their disease, but the social alienation and ostracism that comes with this disease. Leprosy included various categories of skin diseases that today we would consider quite treatable. But at the time, It required a person to be banished from society, banished from their homes, banished from the loving touch of their children, their spouses, their community. So feared was this disease that to cross the shadow of one with leprosy was to risk infection. That's how afraid they were. So lepers were required to set themselves apart. They were required to mark their appearance with torn clothes and announce their condition to anyone coming close. They would say, I'm unclean. I'm unclean. Stay away. They lived alone, and sometimes they banded together into these little tiny communities of despair and misery. I can't think of a worse way to live than that. And seeing Jesus approach, they call out to him because they've heard about this guy, right? They've heard the stories about this man. So they call out to him not to announce their uncleanliness, but to ask Jesus to show mercy on them. And of course, that's what Jesus does. And he tells them, go show yourselves to the priests, which is kind of a weird thing. It wasn't like you're healed or any of that stuff. He just says, go show yourselves to the priests. And in that day, priests were the ones who had authority to declare lepers restored and allow that person to re-enter into society. So these guys, believing that Jesus' instruction to see the priest confirmed that they were healing, they ran off, they skipped, they jumped, heading down the road to see the priest to be declared clean to regain their lives. And as the ten disappear over the hill, one leper looks down and sees his hands clean for the first time, and his skin 
cured for the first time. And he turns around and he goes back and kneeling at Jesus' feet, he shouts, thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. And Jesus says, what happened to the other nine guys? I thought there were ten of you that left. And then looking at this man bowing at his feet, humbly bowing and giving thanksgiving at his feet, Jesus says, your faith has made you well. And some translations suggest that it's better said, your faith has saved you. Implying that while belief in Jesus' initial command healed all ten men physically, the one man's response of gratitude and thanksgiving restored his life to wholeness. See, it wasn't this man's particular brand of religion or his moral code or his accepting the essential tenets of the Reformed faith that caused Jesus to pronounce him his life saved, healed, and fully restored, but this leper's ability to recognize the gift when he saw it and to return to say thank you. The truth is, he was an outsider. And he didn't have to go back to the priest and rely on him to proclaim him healed. That wasn't part of his culture. He had the evidence right there on his skin. He had the gratitude in his heart that only comes from a real-life encounter with the person of Jesus Christ. Karl Barth, theologian Karl Barth, he was fond of saying that the basic human response to God is gratitude. Not fear and trembling, not guilt and shame, but thanksgiving. Barth says, what else can we say to what God gives us but to stammer our praise? And lots of times... You know, I've heard this story a bunch of times, and usually the nine lepers are portrayed as ungrateful bad guys. All ten approached him and called out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They all obeyed the command to go and show themselves to the priests, and as we hear their footsteps heading off, let's just take a moment and give them a tiny bit more credit than we usually do. Because these guys are heading in the direction that Jesus told them to go. They're not heading for the beer joint or the fishing hole. They're heading to the priest. That is, they're headed back to be restored in society. And this is before they even have seen any evidence of their cleansing. They believed in this man. They'd heard about this man. They heard that he could restore them to wholeness. They trusted him. When, they said, when he said that they could be whole, even before any evidence of that came about, they did exactly what he said. Jesus didn't say, go show yourselves to the priest, but as soon as you notice something different, come back and give me a thank you note. He just said, go and show yourselves. And the purpose of this visiting a priest, like we talked about, is so this person could be officially declared whole and resume his place in society. The nine lepers, presumably all Jesus, knew that law. They knew the requirements. They had their minds on their future of resuming their life, they, that life that they had to leave behind when they became ill. I can just imagine their, their minds are full of this reunion with their wives and their children, showing, look, I'm well, I'm cured. Give me a hug for the first time in years. Becoming part of society again. 
And they knew that the priest was the only one that would allow him back in. See, in Luke's context, he's making a critical point. Only the foreigner is the one that understands that the encounter with Christ is the central part of this story. And that the restoration to society and all the cool stuff that happens after that encounter, those are just perks. And this foreigner, this outsider, he is grateful to the giver of good gifts for that grace received. The others want the church to declare them healed. They run towards the priest to get their healing. The other nine aren't ungrateful. They're just confused on where wholeness comes from. And we sang it this morning. It was so awesome. I was like, this is the greatest hymn ever for today because it was like, your grace is enough. But sometimes as people on the inside, us people, this is our attitude towards mission, towards Jesus' mission. And the outsider, the Samaritan, is the one who recognizes where this healing comes from. One of the men I work with, he's an outsider. He said to me, I just can't get comfortable in my own skin. And then he went on and we talked about his life and he described always comparing himself with others, always trying to be good enough. He spoke of these expectations that he had that could never be fulfilled. He revealed the loneliness that isolated him from his family and his friends, even people at church. And he told me he, told me he would say, say to people, stay away from me. I hurt everyone that I come in contact with. I'm unclean, I'm unclean, keep your distance. See, he was describing this modern-day leprosy, this skin-level life. He was looking all around him at the people and the circumstances of his life, but he was either unwilling or unable to look for true healing. He wanted what the nine lepers wanted. He wanted new skin, comfortable skin. He just wanted to feel normal. He wanted to be accepted and approved by others. He wanted the priest of his life, all those people whom he gave power and authority over himself, to declare him clean, to declare him good enough, to declare him a human being again. Does anyone know that feeling? Can you guys relate to that at all, that where your own skin just isn't good enough? I woke up years ago one morning, and I walked in the bathroom, and I looked in the mirror, and I despised that man that was looking back at me. I hated my own skin, and it seemed like everyone that my shadow fell on was hurt in some way. But friends, this is the good news for today. Our healing, our cleansing, our salvation does not come from people. It does not come from people in power over us, not even people in the church. We are made well by a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. We need to stop trying to fulfill all that stuff that we get imposed upon us. We need to stop giving power and authority to pe- for other people to declare us worthy or good enough or lovable. 
We need to stop and turn around and run back to the feet of our Lord and proclaim our thanksgiving. And after my buddy and I, we did a whole bunch of intensive work and self-examination and got things cleaned up and, and God finally did for him what he could never do for himself. He's not only made well from the physical and mental problems that he was having, he's been spiritually cleaned. His faith has saved him. And he called me the other day and he was so happy and so excited. And I said, man, what is going on? Why are you so happy? He said, the greatest thing ever just happened. I got rear-ended at a stoplight. I'm like, well, that's super, I guess. Um, He says, you don't understand. The cops came and I had a valid driver's license. And I had insurance on the car, and I was completely sober, and I didn't have any drugs or stolen property in my car. He said, the policeman just took down my information and then let me go. It was a miracle. See, that's the kind of gratitude we're talking about. The gratitude that comes from being healed on a spiritual level by a God that already knows and already loves us even in that darkest place we've ever been. Thomas Merton said, to be grateful is to recognize the love of God in everything He has given us, and He has given us everything. The grateful person knows that God is good, not by hearsay, but by our experience. And that is what has made the difference. And maybe, just maybe, Once or twice in our lives, we know what it feels like to be that tenth leper. The one who, in a sense, has nothing left to lose. Nothing to lose from turning away from that path that society says we have to walk down. And the people in authority say we have to do in order to be good enough and lovable. We have nothing to lose by just getting rid of all that stuff, turning around, running back to the feet of our Lord, the one who made it possible for us to just be human beings again, healthy and whole human beings. We can now look in that mirror and know that that's somebody that's worth it, somebody that's lovable, somebody who's comfortable in our own skin. How can we be full of anything but thanksgiving? And the nine, they believed like they they acted, behaved just like they were supposed to. There was only one, a foreigner, who behaved like someone overwhelmed by grace. Think about how hard we try to obey and and fulfill all the expectations and rules that us good church-going people do. This story tells us that that stuff's a byproduct. That stuff isn't near as important as throwing ourselves at the feet of our Lord and saying, thank you. Thank you for the relationship. See, we know how to be obedient, but do we know how to be grateful? And after Christ changes us fundamentally, Our response to God is gratitude and all that other stuff comes. But it's the response, not the cure. 
This gratitude for the gift of life, gratitude for the dear people that God puts in our lives and helps us navigate this journey to enrich our lives and experience grace. Our response to God is gratitude to God for God's love expressed in the person of Jesus Christ. And that is what brings hopefulness and a sense of wholeness regardless of where we've been regardless of those dark places we've lived in, regardless of how apart and afraid and alone we've been. Last Thursday, we gathered around tables with our friends and our church community and our weird dysfunctional families, and we returned faith. No, we didn't. We returned thanks. That's literally what we did. We stopped turned around, took time, and said thank you. But what if every day we transformed our homes into places of life-changing gratitude? Gratitude that comes from an encounter with Jesus Christ and makes us human beings again. I pray when you look in the mirror every morning, you see a person that is loved and healed by a relationship with Jesus Christ. May you see someone who's comfortable in their skin. See, Christ's healing is all we need. Your grace is enough. No one has to declare us good enough at all. Jesus Christ did that on the cross. Thanksgiving is a time for us to run to the feet of our Lord and with the loudest voice we can shout, thank you. Loving God, author and giver of our lives, we, we get lost sometimes. We get broken sometimes. We get in trouble. We wake up and we look around and we go like, how did we get here apart, outside, hurting people around us, afraid to come in contact with people, isolated, alone, scared? We've heard your promise, Lord. We know that, that there is a solution. We know that healing is possible. Help us to embrace that relationship that restores us to wholeness. Help us to be grateful to you for everything that you give us. And you give us everything. And help us to share the good news with other people that they are not bound by what others say or feel or impose, the only thing we are bound by is that undescribable love that you rain down upon us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen.